Welcome everyone to tonight's virtual fireside chat. Uh, my name is Josh Margulies and I run field marketing for Suki. Uh, as the only one without an MD after my name, I won't be part of tonight's discussion, uh, but I wanted to take uh, care of some early housekeeping agendas uh, before uh, agenda items before we kicked off the chat. Um, number one, this webinar is being recorded and you'll be sent a copy of the recording within the next 24 hours. Uh, second, the discussion portion of the evening should uh, last about 30 minutes, uh, leaving another 30 minutes for questions to our providers uh, at the conclusion of the talk. If you'd like to ask a question, simply write it at any point during the conversation in the questions tab on your screen. I'll be monitoring this tab throughout and I will ask the providers the questions at the end. Please include which provider you would like this question directed towards uh, or if it's a group question. At this time, I would like to introduce you all to tonight's host, my colleague, Dr. Aaron Palm. Aaron, please take it away. Thanks, Josh. And I'm so excited to be here with Dr. Miller and Dr. Sadek. Um, my name is Aaron Palm. I lead the clinical function at Suki uh, and been involved in product development at uh, Suki, which is a digital voice assistant for doctors uh, for four years now, since early days. My background is in general surgery and surgical critical care actually joined Suki straight from my trauma fellowship at LA County. Uh, so uh, appreciation for going from uh, one kind of deeply technical experience to another completely different kind of uh, deeply technical experience. It's been a really fun learning curve in voice and AI uh, and also in user experience and working with health systems and all kinds of things at Suki. So super excited to have a couple of our um, Suki power users and uh, thought leaders in AI and clinical workflow uh, joining us tonight. And I thought I would let them introduce themselves in their own words. Uh, Dr. Sadek, could you kick off, kick off an introduction for us? Yes, well, my name is Kamal Sadek or uh, Kamal Sadek, however you want to say it, that'd be good. Uh, I've actually went to a school in North Carolina, uh, East Carolina University did uh, my med school there and did one year general surgery and then i transitioned uh, out into family medicine um, i did one year in connecticut and then uh, finished my residency at uh, san joseph hospital in phoenix um, throughout my uh, medical career i went into private practice for 14 years and then i joined a big group in the phoenix area uh, for six years and after that, I decided to join a bigger group, much bigger group, uh, which is called Village Medical. And uh, because of the opportunities that uh, the company offers uh, and because of the vast, uh, you know, different things that they try to do or trying to do and, and implement, I thought it would be a greater opportunity for me to, to join uh, a company that's, that's really going gung-ho on population health and uh, giving people opportunities to uh, go venture into different fields of uh, medicine, but uh, at the same time within the primary care field. Wonderful, and thank you so much for joining us uh, for this conversation about AI and medicine. Um, Dr. Miller, could you give us an introduction to your background as well? Hey, I'm Dr. Mike Miller, I'm family practice. Uh, I did my training in Kansas City at the University of Health Sciences, Kansas City College of Osteopathic Medicine. Uh, did residency in Texas in the Baylor system 
in family practice and had gone to undergraduate in Nashville and loved it and wanted to get back here. And so I've been here for about uh, 29 years, uh, did initially ER work. Um, and then for the last uh, 19 years have been doing primary care uh, with a practice uh, here in Nashville with a, a large uh, national organization. I also serve as the chief of uh, quality and clinical effectiveness uh, for the system that we're in. Um, and uh, that's where I'm at. I actually joined years ago too um, with Suki and, and um, uh, for about four years. And back in the old days when it was originally called this the trivial fact, it was known as Robin when it was very first started for a few months, I think. Uh, and um, it's, it, I've been with Suki ever, long, ever since it's been Suki. Yeah, it's been a great journey together, Mike. Uh, so it's a, a privilege to talk with you both as uh, experienced uh, practitioners of, of bedside medicine in the clinic, uh, and also uh, folks who think a lot about how to improve workflows and how technology and uh, AI and machine learning software um, can improve uh, those workflows. The place I wanted to start this conversation today is just to talk about um, what are some of the problems that you're seeing? Uh, and, you know, not like I'm seeing too many COVID patients in my practice and it's driving me crazy. Can't this just go away already? But um, problems around like administration and workflow and things that uh, are kind of bringing you down in your practice um, that, that you're thinking about applying these kinds of technologies to solve. What are those problems you're looking to solve uh, in your practice? Maybe starting with you, Dr. Miller. Well, you know, I was asked, uh, the, uh, being the national organization, we were brought in as the ministry that uh, was doing technology. So that's how I, I've got it started. But, but part of my job is also physician advocacy. And so, you know, the problem of burnout and the difficulty in uh, making sure that satisfaction among the millennials and the people that are younger than are coming in and those that were older, they were having problems with technology and, and, uh, trying to figure out, is there a way that we can, you know, truly the main point is a work-life balance and it's just been very skewed. Uh, the, a lot of it uh, is, is from the doctor's point of view is we just need more employees and the, the administration is, you know, we're not going to give you or can we afford to have more employees? So that leaves us to, to try to find a way to be able to function at our highest level. Um, and I realized that the clerical work is is the big uh, drag down. And if you look at most national studies at what most family physicians feel leads to burnout, it is the clerical work. And so looking for some system that would be able to alleviate that as best as possible. And, you know, I am a, um, I cannot keyboard. That's my shortcoming. I just can't. I've done Mavis Brown and all of the different uh, online apps and tried to learn and, and I can't. So um, I am a voice, uh, I am voice dependent. And so um, I've used some uh, different systems to try to do that. But when I was introduced with Suki, I was very much interested because it, it seemed to be more of a one-stop uh, shop in terms of me being able to, to complete the charts and do the things I needed to, had a flow to it. And enjoyed it and and interestingly um you know we had new new physicians joining our practice and they seemed to take to it even better one of my partners who joined a year ago when he first joined the practice he immediately started on suki didn't know anything else and now 
he he wouldn't have it any other way. He's one of the I think the the largest users on the system. Uh, so I think there there has to be opportunities to remove those clinical um, barriers to to efficiency. The the idea of going home and having to do the clerical work and doing it on the weekends and all is just not tenable. And so um, that's what started. Uh, my search for what would be the best way to, to be able to overcome that and um, what's the best to present to our system as option for a, a way to correct this um, clerical uh, overload. Yeah, definitely hearing uh, the problem of um, cler clerical overload or documentation burden. Um, and then I thought it was interesting what you said about um, physicians who've been in practice a long time who um, may not have fully adopted uh, EHR workflows in a way that they feel fluent at it. And then uh, for for younger doctors just entering practice, um, millennials uh, having sort of a different expectation of technology. So those are some sort of interesting topics um, to dig into in the conversation too, if we can. Um, Dr. Sadek, have you had a, well, a similar experience with problems to solve or uh, enlighten yeah. us? Every, everything is, is similar to what Dr. Miller said. Uh, but on a different uh, side of uh, the, the actual, you know, day-to-day uh, -day process that a physician um, have to do now uh, than it was 20 or 30 years ago. Uh, as you may know, there's a lot of requirements for us to uh, basically put on in the records so that way we can comply with uh, guidelines, with uh, quality measures. And uh, the, the quality measures by itself, it has to be done correctly and it has to be uh, done in a way where other uh, people in the company or employees who are helping uh, specifically with claims, with billing, to, to see that information. And uh, almost all the big companies are going after the quality measures and we have to because this is how we're being graded right now it's not the quantity of the number of patients that we see it's the quality and um, i for example i used to go for the quantity in my previous employment and i would see 30 36 to 40 patients a day based on a 15 minute uh, visit uh, you go home, uh, you're burnt out already, you, you, your mind is already fried, and now you have to sit down and, and finish some of the notes. Uh, at that time, I was not a person who wanted to do voice dictation. I was a lot into the EMR, and I actually developed a lot of stuff that could make things easier, but I missed out. I missed out on the quality measures in the previous company. But the company I have, I'm with right now, they actually help you know, tremendously and they do different things to capture all these measures. And we just have to go back and do certain things with certain applications or certain softwares uh, that's already in there, but you have to go and do it. So there's a lot of stuff you still have to do. So even after you finish the note and uh, you think that you've done with everything, the next day you get an emails you need to do this and you need to do that and uh, and we have to because otherwise we can uh, we, we can lose the dollar uh, on our salaries and i think physicians have to realize this that it's going to hurt some people if they do not follow certain guidelines or at least uh, what the company is telling them to do mm -hmm. uh, 
I, I know for sure right now some physicians will get you know are getting upset you know why did you do this on my patient why uh, I have to put in this diagnosis or why did you remove this diagnosis um, and everything is to comply with how the note so the note is really important uh, and uh, by having something that we can actually put in the note and it makes it much more efficient, uh, accurate, uh, faster, and complying with guidelines, that's where it's gonna make the difference. So that we, when we go home, we've done our part and we've actually put in everything that needs to be put. But you know, we're always gonna have changes. This is not gonna stop. So the goal for me is how can we make it easier, easier flow for everybody, including the clerk staff. So we also can, we have to make it easier for them in order uh, for them to put in the right information because by the time I see the patient, uh, my nurse have already put in half of the info, probably more than half that, that has to comply with the uh, CMS guidelines, etc. Yeah. So my addition for Dr. Miller's. Yeah, good points. And, and I think the points around um, enabling a care team um, and facilitating that kind of uh, collaborative approach to providing evidence-based care, right? There's there's a piece of it that's around revenue capture and, and getting paid. Um, there's a piece of it that's around high quality communication uh, between the care team. Uh, but then there's also a piece of it that is just uh, providing the best uh, evidence-based care for a patient and, uh, and making sure that those guidelines are available at the fingertips of, of providers uh, in a way that doesn't feel intrusive, feels like it's helping them um, provide the best care. Uh, those those are all opportunities and, and in our current practice, often frustrations because, you know, there's lack of coordination, there's revenue left on the table, uh, and there can be sort of intrusive care gap reminders and um, things that may just be implemented poorly uh, in software. There could be opportunity to do that better, I'm sure. Also, um, you know, I just would add, Unfortunately, you know, I mean, that's, I think, one of the beauty of, of uh, the system that Dr. Sedek is in of the Village MD, uh, because so many of us that are, are in other large organizations, uh, we're caught between two worlds. You know, we're being judged and with the future and the expectations of quality, but yet we're still being reimbursed in an RVU world. So that's, that's the worst because you know, they say that volume doesn't matter, but yet that's where the paycheck is. But we all know that what's important is quality and that's what the that's what the future holds. So it's always when you're in between two worlds that's the most uncomfortable. And I think that's a lot. I think, you know, that the, the advantage you have is that you are in a system that sees the future. Uh, but those that are still in a more of a traditional older uh, health system are caught between those two worlds. And that's what makes it difficult. Yeah. yeah, and I, I think I, that I ideal technology solutions here would help bridge these two worlds. So there's not the cognitive load on the providers and even on the administrative staff uh, to be that bridge between this fee-for-service environment and value-based care. Um, I would look to software uh, to help solve that problem when it's done intelligently. Um, I would love to transition uh, into sort of uh, the next extension of this topic, which is uh, what are some uh, software AI solutions that you've seen work well to solve some of these problems? And and I know I'm you know teeing you up to, to talk about Suki, but you don't have to talk about Suki. Um, this can be a broad and wide ranging conversation, and and 
Uh, and voice, we clearly feel is a meaningful way to help reduce cognitive burden and, uh, and streamline documentation and uh, do other things over time, like extract structured data and help with these um, other workflows. But I'd love to hear about any other solutions you've found to be valuable uh, or that you're implementing in your practices uh, on this topic. Um, maybe kick it off uh, this time, Dr. Sadek. Okay, um, well, um, just to continue then, uh, I, I do agree with Dr. Miller as far as what uh, the company I'm with, uh, with Village Medical, of uh, the vast uh, different uh, venues that they created, and uh, many of it is actually, it does involve technology. Uh, and uh, the future hopefully would be uh, much, much better. Uh, as you may know, things need to be tested. Sometimes things work, sometimes things do not work, uh, especially when you're dealing with technology and adaptation to technology. Uh, you know, you, you have to have the physicians adapt, uh, the, the clerical staff, administrative, and not only that, but the patient also has to adapt uh, to, to be uh, uh, to about some of the patients I see, they still use flip phones. Some of them, they still have the home phone and they don't have the smartphone. So we can do the best of the best. Uh, and when we're dealing with population health and CMS, a lot of those patients are in their 70s, 80s, uh, unless they have a family member that's gonna help them uh, basically sign up for the portal and the EMR system. Uh, some of them don't even have email, or at least they're afraid of the email. They're still afraid that the email is going to, you know, know everything about them or that someone is going to hack their information, etc. cetera. Um, so how do we, you know, get to that? Do we send people home? Uh, and uh, the company I'm with, uh, we do have uh, something called Village Medical, and where some of the doctors actually, they go home and treat the patient at home. Uh, not necessarily for the entire period, but uh, I can uh, send it a consultation and say, I want my patient to be followed at home. And then sure enough, doctor will go there and take care of them and they can keep them as their patients or the patient can decide and come back. Uh, a lot of companies are actually moving that way. And there are people, who, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. There are companies that actually uh, have in it, uh, cars with the dispatch they dispatch the nurse, they dispatch the physician. Uh, urgent care centers are doing it where they go in home. So we, we can't forget about the people who do not know the technology. And uh, so we can we can use the best AI uh, type of technology where it can capture things, it can make things easier for everybody. But uh, in the long run, we have to go and, and basically be good to our patients in any possible way so that way we can give them good care uh, in, in coordination with good technology. Yeah, I think that's a really great point about making care itself more accessible and flexible. And um, there's uh, tools uh, that are becoming increasingly available to us to give people the right services at the right time uh, in the way that meets their needs. Um, Really appreciate you bringing that up. Um, Dr. Miller, what are you seeing in terms of uh, technologies uh, in the AI realm that you're implementing in your practice to solve some of these problems? Uh, you know, actually, I think because our system is become kind of a test market for the, the, the larger uh, group, uh, the organization, 
um, I've seen quite a bit. And, you know, it, 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 it's a situation now where you have to kind of be very careful as a system because there's so many people promising so much. It's very easy to get taken in. And, you know, I'm, I'm American Academy of Family Practitioners, and I'm, I'm very happy that they, instead of just telling you what's out there, are actually starting to review them and, and, and investigate them. And, and, and in fact, Suki is one that is on that list. And, and I, I think that's, really helpful is I don't have time, you know, uh, especially if I'm an independent practice to be able to do your research myself. And now you're inundated with all these different systems that are offering the moon. And so you just don't know. Uh, and thankfully I have time to investigate, but there are a lot of positive things that are coming out, you know, things that are geared for specific aspects. There's one that uh, called Health Finch that is processing uh, the medications and we're looking into that and I'm involved in a uh, in working with Google uh, for an EHR search engine um, that's very interesting so I see a lot of the capabilities and the possibilities because the bottom line that conflict between you know RVU and and, and quality if I have something that can remove and increase the time I think we have an average of seven minutes and a and from quality measures, uh, if you did everything you were supposed to, it'd be 34 minutes. So that conflict can be really uh, difficult. Besides, you know, what I think is most important is asking the patients what's wrong and talk to them about what their problems are. That gets lost in the shuffle. And so many people are so concerned about uh, somebody staring at a screen and pushing buttons and and that's not what they appreciate. I, you, they want you to sit down and roll up near them and, and give you the full attention. And that's hard to do when you know you're on the time clock and you've got to make sure you've cleared all of their quality care gaps and all. So if I'm not being stressed about creation of the note, and if I know I can do that in a timely manner, it allows me the luxury of being able to, to look thoughtfully at what this patient's needs are and explain why they do need the mammogram and why they do need the colonoscopy. But you don't have that luxury when you're trying to create charts as quickly as you can and um, and have to, to also check boxes and everything else. So I'm looking for technology that's gonna remove the burden so I can get back to why I did this, which is, is the one-to-one -one physician to patient you know, understanding their care, using my knowledge to improve their life and 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 bring enjoyment into mine. And that gets lost so easy. Um, so that's what I became so passionate about and involved is there's got to be a way that we can we can retrieve that. Um, and and I think Suki is one of the one of the techniques that that can allow that to happen. Yeah. Yeah. We've had this philosophy from early days that says uh, even though with a, any product, you have to start small uh, and apply technology to solve uh, a manageable problem for a software team to uh, to develop. Um, we wanted to add value even by solving that small problem from early days. So that's why we started with documentation um, and have added more over time and still have a long way to go. Um, one thing I wanted to say before we move on to kind of, you know, where where we're all going next with AI technology is, um, I'm really glad you brought up the medical record search uh, because it's just always seemed like 
a no-brainer and such a useful tool, um, but not an easy problem to solve. Um, because one, you need the the medical records data, and then two, you need some great search algorithm like Google applied on top of it. Um, I, I remember in my earliest days in uh, out of fellowship uh, as an attending, wanting to ask the medical record the question, why is my patient on Plavix? You know, I need to do an operation like, why is my patient on Plavix? Um, and having to search through all those notes, right? If if we could apply that next layer of intelligence uh, to get, you know, Google quality search results for why is my patient on Plavix, uh, that'll be one holy grail achieved <laughs> in medical workflow. I'm excited for that. It's, I mean, so far it's been useful. I mean, it uses natural language. So anything that has been scanned in, any chart that you get from outside, it doesn't have to be your records. Once it's entered into your records, that's a knowledge base it can pull from, a database it can pull from. So, you know, there's exciting things coming up, but still, um, you know, it, it, it comes down to being able to process the information for the, to get back to the real purpose, you know. And, you know, the government sees that this is a problem. That's why they've made the change um, with the EM coding and how we document, they knew we were we were crashing and burning and they needed to do something. So they said, let's try to remove those bullet points and some of those those issues, which uh, I think has been wonderful, uh, especially with Suki. Uh, it, it's very advantageous because it's more of a free thought form and just free thought uh, a dictation, uh, which is really what they want. I mean, you know, EM training that I'm getting recently is, is you tell them everything that you did. You put down why you did what you did, what you did, uh, and what you expect or don't expect. And when you go, you when you go to your your documentation for physical, you put in what's pertinent. You don't have to have eighteen bullet points of things that you didn't. And and so it, it's I think I think a, a a great improvement. And I think it also works very nicely uh, in that system of Suki that I've been using. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think. Go ahead, Dr. Sadek. Oh, okay. You know, uh, I'm I'm a little bit more of a what do you call it, an imaginary person. That uh, uh, I start with imagining things, and I, I kind of go after it and and see if it's something that could be implemented in the future. And, and some of the things that uh, on the same subject that uh, you guys are talking about is the records you know the, the the patient owns the records the patient should have the records with them uh i see in the future the patient could have a qr code uh, on their palm that they can just basically you can scan it and then you go into this cloud-based server and then now you can see all the records on the patient uh, everything that's being done on them or whether it was uh, towards you know quality measures or their uh, treatment of their blood pressure, their numbers, etc. That would be a nice world because you know people change, people move from state to state, and uh, we don't know what the millennials going to do. Are they going to be able to work in one company for 10, 15, 20 years, or are they going to jump from one place to another every year or so? Uh, and, and you know having the records with patients. Uh, at all times, that would really be tremendous. Even a USB that they can have. Uh, it's almost like the company, uh, the, you know, any company would be uh, owning the records. Um, and that's one thing that I, I like about the company that I'm with is um, it didn't matter if I had the, the, the information for previous uh, uh, sorry patients or not. 
they were busy enough to get me busy and but my patients uh, because i'm only 30 minutes away from my previous employment followed uh, mm. but we, we encountered the issue with the record the record didn't come in time we asked for it and uh, it took a while and even if it takes two weeks only there's some important information that you know for example labs x-rays that i ordered i mean yes they give you time to finish up but there's no way you're going to finish everything because patients don't go and do the labs at the same time you tell them to do it. They don't do the access at the same time. So they do it much later, and now it's going to another provider. Mm -hmm. And if they don't have a system into tackling uh, the bucket uh, of uh, you know unfinished business, uh, labs, uh, x-rays, uh, correspondence, uh, then it, it can be lost. Uh, and well, it's a, what, barrier uh, to, it's a barrier to good care. Uh, it's also a barrier, unfortunately, to some of the AI applications, because without that data layer, that foundation to do analysis on, it's hard to deliver the intelligence on top of that. Uh, so what you bring up is is uh, one of the uh, kind of quintessential struggles of not just care delivery, but uh, the add-ons that technology can bring uh, and the promise of technology in, in this space. Yeah, um, I think it's huge. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted to um, wrap up on a, a question about, and you sort of preface this of um, what uh, what are your dreams? Um, if if the sky's the limit in terms of what's possible with the, the tech and the interoperability, uh, what are your dreams of the practice environment that AI technologies and, and the, um, you know, user experiences built on top of machine learning uh, could bring to your practice? What is the practice of the future if, if the sky's the limit? Can I take this first? Go for it. Okay. Well, if I'm going to have to go to a clinic, I do not want to hold anything. I do not want to push a button. I just want to go in there, see the patient. Something is listening to me, recording, taking the information, put it in the right you know, form. And uh, by just talking to the patient and then maybe to my assistant, and my assistant could be also an, an AI, uh, where they put in the right labs for them. Uh, it goes onto their phone or any future device that they can have, and it tells them what needs to be done. Um, now, keep in mind also there are companies working on getting lots of labs from one drop of blood, and uh, the initial thought process was uh, being done for third world countries because you know they wanted to help people with simple testing uh, unfortunately, it didn't work very well with Theranos, uh, as it was uh, it wasn't the case, and uh, the technology was not proven to be uh, good. Uh, but that's my my thought process: is to go in there, see my patients. Uh, if I have to do some kind of small procedures, uh, yes, that's fine. I mean, we have to do that sometimes. Uh, and I get out and go home, and I don't have to worry about the record keeping because. AI was listening and it was recording it, put it in the right context, and uh, that's it. And what about the bi-directional interaction? Would you expect nudges from this AI when, when you might be missing something, for example? Well, there are always going to be, uh, you know, things that's not going to, you know, work towards, you know, what you, how you want it to be. And, but uh, with, you know, machine learning and deep learning, uh, you can run a lot of this data and it can uh, correct itself or it can just give you uh, information on how it needs to be done. So 
uh, it's going to go both ways. So we're going to learn from AI, and AI will always uh, depend on us for you know new things. Uh, but how far it's going to go in the future? Uh, are we going to be afraid from it? Uh, I don't think the uh, cinema industry uh, helped us because uh, they were they basically made it bad for us. They made it that it's it's going to come in and kill us and wipe us out, you know off the earth. And, no, but and, I think uh, so. I, honestly, I think some of what you said is achievable uh, and not very black box in the next five years in terms of mm -hmm. if I'm having a conversation with my patient and there is a software system. Uh, transcribing the conversation and running natural language processing on top of it. If I ask my patient, um, when's the last time you had a colonoscopy? Because it's not in the record because we don't have the interoperability. If I, if I ask the question and they say, oh, doc, I just had one last year, then the care gap reminder is not going to pop up to say they need a colonoscopy. I've just resolved that in a conversation, right, without me doing mm -hmm. the data entry. True. I think for those very simple uh, interactions, then the technology is not that far off. Uh, I think where it may be a little farther off is when I expect uh, an AI to be able to summarize a complex interaction that I had with the patient and make a clinical story out of it. I think the text summarization capability is uh, is harder than some of that structured data extraction, data entry, and then um, triggering some of the things like care gap reminders. Uh, so it's yeah. it's not an impossible vision. Uh, what about you, Dr. Miller? Uh, I mean, basically the same. I think what, what I heard was, I have to say, as I mean, we went to school for our brains. We didn't go for our clerical abilities. We didn't go. And, it, and it's frustrating. I, I heard one of my favorite examples is that, you know, if you have the most important law, it, it's your, you're going, you're up for murder and you're going away for a long time. And this is the most important case in your life. And you're, you're standing you're, and, and everyone stands for the judge and the judge comes out and everybody sits and then the judge stands up, goes down and then steps behind the sonography machine and says, don't worry, I can do both of these things. I mean, that's, that's not what we did this for. We did this for our brain and, and all of the money and everything that we have done is, is so that we have that ability to use not artificial intelligence, but intelligence. And, 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 and I don't think it will ever be the, have the ability to process like we do. And, and so I want something that, that lets me do what I truly love, which is talking with the patient, finding a solution, and then helping the patient and, and make that happen for them. And I think in the AI where you, a world where I can, I can speak, I can <clears throat> order, I, I would like it bi-directional, so it <clears throat> would remind me what care gaps are necessary. Right. I'd like to be able to ask it questions, and you know, when I forget the dose, you know, specific for a certain medicine, you know, I'd like that. You know, I'd like mm -hmm. for it to hook up with all my others. And when I say when they, and, and maybe it'll speak for me because when the patient goes, I can't afford that. I'd like for it to speak up and say, actually, with a coupon and this, it's only going to be this much. With your particular insurance, I can tell you your price will be this much. I mean, because it's there. It does it already in Athena as a system I use. So there's a lot of possibilities. But basically, in my dream world, I walk in room to room to room and just listen to the problem, create the solution, and go to the next room. That's all mm -hmm. I want to do. If I could do that all day, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be tired at all. When I'd get home, 
I'd be energized and, and, and thrilled that I was doing what I felt like I really trained to do. So that would be my perfect world. Yeah. Yeah. I like that vision. Thank you both. Um, well, I really appreciate uh, the conversation today. And I think we all have a, a common motivation in, uh, in reducing this documentation and clerical burden uh, on physicians and, and other bedside providers. Uh, and thank you both for uh, collaborating in that vision um, with Suki as well. Hopefully we'll keep on moving us down that road. Uh, Josh, are there questions that, that came in for us or? Um? Yeah, a couple. Um, so thank everyone so much for, um, for the discussion tonight. It was really uh, extraordinary to hear from both of you. Um, the first question actually, Aaron, is for you. Um, we heard the vision for both uh, from both Dr. Sadek and, and Dr. Miller of like, what's their dream scenario? Uh, being a technologist and a provider, practicing provider, what's your dream scenario? What do you want to see in five years? What can AI do that's going to make you uh, happy both as that technologist and as a provider? Yeah, I mean, mine is a little overlaid with a lens of, of realism and what's possible. Um, but I think there's a lot that's possible. Um, if we think, like Mike said, of... Um, computers kind of doing the simple repeatable tasks that computers are good at doing and processing a lot of data and allowing us to input sort of the higher order decision making based on our training and experience. Um, and I actually think that one thing uh, that this sort of ambient voice experience that we've been talking about will be able to do is um, recognize structured data elements that come up in a conversation and um, automate things like um, the medication reconciliation task, um, or give me a prompt that says, huh, it seems like you talked about a penicillin allergy in this conversation. Do you wanna add that allergy with rash as the reaction to the patient's list of allergies? Like this um, deduplication of structured data entry into the medical record is something that I think is uh, achievable uh, if executed well with, uh, with voice AI. Um, and then the other piece actually around this like billing coding um, revenue cycle, uh, I actually think that a lot of this can be optimized upfront uh, based on the clinical decision-making expressed in the note uh, without making doctors, uh, especially in primary care, you know, there's not a lot of coders operating in the background without making doctors have to kind of know how to be coders um, technology and NLP layered on top of a, a clinical document that y'all are creating uh, should be able to solve this problem uh, in the next five years. Uh, I'm sure there's more, but those are the things that are top of mind for me that I think are very achievable and solvable and stuff that we're working on in our roadmap. Yeah, sometimes it's uh, it's hard to get the realist out of you, huh? And to, to fully dream the, uh, the full on improbable dreams, but I think that was great. Um, we have another question um, about AI optimizing billing via high efficiency entry and output of clinical data. Um, example, don't worry about the length of the interaction so much, dive in and do what is needed for the interaction with the patient to be most optimal for them. Um, so I don't know if anyone can wants to kind of tack that, tackle that question. Uh, I think it's mostly about AI optimizing around billing, um, if, if you have any thoughts about that. Yeah, Camel. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm wondering what you think about this thesis that I have too. It's sort of related around um, primary care um, coding and NLP um, 
layered on top of uh, you know the clinical decision making? Well, as far as the billing, I think AI would help a lot because you know with billing you're talking about you know data or data. Uh, and then uh, the more you know you could feed the data into the billing system uh, in every company uh, with making you know the correction i think uh, ai could be I mean, astronomical as far as what it, what it can do but we cannot forget on the first person who's putting in the information and choosing the the basically the codes uh, because sometimes we put in codes for example you know, diabetes. Uh, a lot of doctors put in diabetes with no complications, which very rarely that there's no complications. Uh, there's always hyperglycemia, uh, retinopathy, uh, nephropathy, etc. And and that's where we're going to lose. And if we don't, you know, pick the right ones. Uh, but that's AI, you know, can capture that. So, and and, and I, I can't wait until to the point where in my records, I have all the information and AI can just say, well, you know what, you pick this, but this is the better option and that's what you should pick. And that's what billing does to us now uh, by uh, using a platform uh, that we have uh, under the name DocOS and we can go in there under the care form and it gives a suggestion on um, capturing certain diagnoses or uh, basically expanding uh, based on the billing uh, employees who have seen the information in a chart, but we did not pay attention to it. Uh, but then again, I'm not going to go and look for everything because that's going to take time. So it would be nice if the AI would be able to pick this up. Is it going to take people's job away? Well, we can always retrain people to do something else. And that's, you know, in any type of industry. Yeah, I do think that it can augment the billing department and provide them the right inputs. Uh, I, I doubt it's probably going to eliminate revenue cycle headcount in, in these systems. It's such an important function. Yeah, that's true. Awesome. Um, Dr. Miller, this is a question for you. Um, you mentioned that you simply can't type. Uh, so wondering what you did, uh, you know, pre-Suki and, um, and why did you end up changing uh, to Suki? What are the differences that you've noticed and, and, you know, what was it that you were looking for that you weren't getting before? Um, sure. Well, um, Dragon is, you know, I was a, what, like a Dragon champion, they were called. I was fascinated by the fact that Dragon actually was created for quadriplegics and you can, by voice only, completely move them. You can do anything that you can do with a mouse. You can do um, on uh, using a dragon uh, because it has that capability. No one takes it to that level much anymore. But I thought that was fascinating. So I, I, I used uh, a dragon uh, quite a bit. But, you know, the difference between the two, which is, you know, a question to get asked a lot is, it's the flow uh, with Dragon. I would need to go to each template, and I would have to free text. I would go to the free text box, and and then I would have to point and click in each of them in order to get that summation that I wanted. Whereas with uh, Suki, they're all they flow very easy. I, I open it up. I say the patient's name. It pulls it up. I go ahead and say ask it to show me the history. 
uh, and put me into that box. And I dictate, as I said, you know, the newer way of what they want is they want a little story and they know how much time did you take on that patient by building this story. And so I, I reviewed these things and here's what I found and here's how I did it. And then I say, let me see the review of systems. And actually we have Freesia, which is a system where the patient puts it in. So they've already done all of their review of systems. And I look to make sure there's anything I didn't expand on. And then I, I, I tell it to go to the physical. And in that one, I may have templates that I've developed and I ask it to bring up that template and then I add to it. Sometimes if I need to change a specific portion of the template, I say, you know, change musculoskeletal and then I put in what I want. So it's, it's just a real easy, natural flow and not moving around and pointing and putting it here and doing this and, and that. I move on to then the, uh, and I think Dr. Zirk Dr. and I were talking earlier, it pulls forward uh, when I'm in the room and I have Athena, I've put their diagnosis at this point, and some of these will probably change in time, we'll be able to do more, but I put the diagnosis and then I put in my orders. Uh, and so when I go into Suki, it's already pulled that into the assessment and plan. So then I can just dictate, you know, in each and have it move on to the next. And then it, it delivers up different diagnoses I might want to use if I haven't already decided. Uh, and so it, it's just a, a very simple, easy flow. And I don't find I'm having to move around as much. It doesn't limit me so much from spot to spot to spot that I, that I had with Dragon. I mean, uh, that, that's what I see. I think the billing option you were talking about earlier is really critical because AI is going, I mean, we went, remember, from, from ICD-9 and, and the number up to 144,000 diagnoses with with ICD-10, and that's all because they want more specific data. So sorting through that to get the specifics is definitely something AI can do. Plus, you know, like we were talking about with the Google search engine, it can delve through all that information to look for, well, as a matter of fact, they did have this problem before. Do you want to consider that? And, you know, as we all know, everybody grows legs back and becomes completely healed at the beginning of the year with Medicare. And so we have to redocument every single year and it will be able to tee up. These are some things that we think are, you know, HCC capture it's called. It's gonna, it can capture for us and say, we noticed that you haven't, you know, brought these up. Have these been corrected? Have they resolved? And if not, you know, do you want to list this? And so I think it's the searching of that database of information that's gonna be critical to save me time and, and be more efficient increase revenue by most correct billing um, and coding. Um, I think all those are capabilities. Fantastic. Um, Aaron, a quick question for you, um, and I'll, I'll be a little bit of a, a Suki product nerd here, but um, what, how is, is Suki using AI today? And what do you think is the, the further out use of, of AI with Suki? Like where is AI taking us as a company? Yeah, uh, I would say there's three places um, that uh, our AI stack supports various features. One is the speech to text, uh, the ASR, automated speech recognition, which is sort of foundational for everything we do, right? Um, Suki has a proprietary uh, speech to text engine. The second is an intent extractor, uh, which is uh, kind of translated from 
what you um, can do with Siri or Alexa. Um, you say a wake word, uh, which is the name of the device, and then you give it a command or an instruction and tell it to do something. Uh, Suki does the same thing, uh, but applies that to medical use case. So that's the intent extractor is the commands understanding. And then uh, it can understand these complex commands where there's multiple slots, we call them. So um, if you say, uh, you know, create a progress note for John Smith, it understands that there's a template slot, that's your progress note, and then it understands the patient's name is John Smith. Um, it's the intent extractor is number two. And then number three, uh, and this is sort of a, a newer part of the stack, is this um, natural language understanding um, to extract uh, entities that map to clinical concepts. And, and the first application of that was ICD-10, and uh, we just built it as an ICD-10 search when you add problems to your notes. Um, but we'll be applying that to uh, more things over time, uh, including uh, finding a CPT code to code the ENM level for your visit or a procedure that you did in the office um, or uh, other applications like I was talking about, um, like understanding that, oh, now we're talking about the patient's allergies. This might be an allergy to penicillin. Um, that'll be a future application of that uh, NLP entity extraction capability. Uh, so ASR is the speech to text, intent extractor is the commands. And then uh, NLP to recognize these medical concepts uh, are three areas where we apply uh, machine learning. Well, I think the thing that got me most interested, I was able to meet with you, Aaron, uh, uh, Puneet, who created, and when I found out that he had actually worked for Google and was involved in the creation of Google Talk, and he told me that the most that that's most critical because the most common words that are looked that are that are used in Google is actually medical terms. And so it became very good on Google, or Google be very good on medical terms already. And that's the other thing I like is the, uh, how uh, uh, the uh, mistakes that are made uh, on Suki versus Dragon. Um, and, and Dragon is, is, has done well improving, but it's still not near uh, the capability of understanding and um, correct uh, 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 choice uh, when I dictate and the speed that it's able to accept and then and then put down what I said is um, is worlds of difference. Yeah, we're proud of our voice and speech accuracy. Uh, and then since you bring up Puneet and you were talking about the usability elements a minute ago too, uh, I think one thing that's really special about uh, Suki's software development process is this consumer-like take. Doctors are people too. We want to be able to use products that are as easy to use as the other apps that uh, that we use on our phone. So, uh, so we treat this product development process uh, in the way that Puneet used in the consumer world when he built all the Google apps on Android. Um, and uh, we have a launch and iterate philosophy that says, get product out there, get doctors using it, get their feedback, and then make it better based on uh, based based on the feedback that they've given. Uh, and I think that's paid off in terms of what you're saying in, about the simplicity of the interaction. Uh, so it's not just about like being smart and having data and building ML, but actually building a, a we call it consumer grade product um, that's very usable for the purposes that we use it for in patient care. And the training is 30 minutes or less. I mean, and you don't have to have somebody over your shoulder like when we learned Athena and it were there for four weeks and still left too early. So. I mean, to have that capability of being able to learn it in 30 minutes. Uh, and Dr. Sadiq, I didn't mean to to, to uh, monopolize there. I, I didn't no, 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 not at all. And, you know, 
That's okay. But you know, I told Josh, I don't know if Josh remembers, I'm actually working on trying to do a note blindfolded without even looking at the screen because sometimes looking at that screen and especially if you're using your phone, because of the, the ring that Tuki gives you when it moves from one section to another, then you know it has opened a section and the one that you ask it to. And if you have a lot of the text macros or, or the scripts, uh, I think text macros for Athena, but uh, we call it scripts uh, when it's uh, in Suki, uh, you can move these scripts. Uh, uh, now keep in mind, this is not complicated note. Uh, everything is simple. It's a more like a follow-up visit. Um, I'm actually 75%, I can do it blindfolded, but I wanna do it 100%. It cannot be done 100% yet because you still have to go to Athena and finalize everything. And that's, you know, where I see that when, once we become fully uh, functional, where we can do everything on Suki. And I also told Josh uh, in, in uh, the, the weekly meeting that we have uh, is uh, the point where we can send medications from Suki. Mm-hmm. So that way we don't have to, now, would it become its own EMR? I, I really don't think so, because there's so much out there that has to go in the EMR, uh, which fine. I mean, I think we'll always have some type of two system. Mm-hmm. Uh, are we going to be alone only on one system and we're going to be able to do everything on it? Yeah, maybe that's possible, uh, but... Uh, at this point, at this time, I don't see it yet because of the integration of both, um, and and it's easier that way because then then I only have to worry about what needs to go into the note, send the medications, send the referrals, and that's it. Everything else that that a lot of the other apps uh, brings in for you to look at in order to prepare the chart, etc. For me, that uh, is not it's going to it's not going to help reduce the time is actually going to increase the time if we continue to keep looking back into different sections of the chart to make sure that everything is done. Uh, that's where I want AI or other people of the team to basically take over uh, and, uh, and I'm fine with that. But I'll let you know when I reach 100% of actually dictating that. Yeah, I love that experiment. That's great. <laughs> we, need, we need a video of that. The uh, next one's probably for you, Aaron, because I'm, I, I don't know if I'm bound not to say, but I'm very excited about what's coming up very soon. Uh, yeah, um, we are uh, launching a beta of a Windows application. So that's one thing in roadmap uh, so that Suki could sort of be a, a full stack uh, speech to text replacement uh, in a health system. Uh, if you'd like to use Suki for dictation in any interface, uh, such as an EHR, the Windows app will be a, a companion for the Suki AI assistant that uh, allows that. Uh, and then in terms of other capabilities of the AI assistant, like we consider Windows app to be another platform that um, that the Suki assistant can be used on. Other capabilities of the assistant. Um, one thing we're working on is um, some data queries like, okay, so far Suki has been used to do a lot of things in a note and um, For um, some EHRs, it's really important to be able to put some chart data in that note, Uh, like people like to add their vital signs or people like to add a few key lab results. Um, Now that we've been started started ingesting that data from the patient record, uh, it's a natural extension to say, 
hey, what if I don't want to put it in a note, but I just want to look at it with a simple voice command? Can I just say, uh, Suki, show me the CBC result, and it'll pull that up on the screen. Uh, and I can choose to put it in the note or just dismiss it because it's not relevant today. Uh, so that's one of the things that um, will be coming this year as a new command and, and a completely new workflow for the assistant. Um, happy to dig more into roadmap with folks on a future webinar, but Windows app, those show me commands are some of the exciting things that are coming up. Fantastic. Good to hear. Well, it looks like we're just about out of time. Um, I wanted to thank everyone for joining us tonight, as well as our uh, providers for such an engaging conversation. Um, as I mentioned at the beginning, uh, we'll send out a, uh, an email that will have a recording of the, pod, of the um, webinar if anyone is interested. Um, but otherwise, I hope everyone has a wonderful evening and thank you so much for joining us. Yes, thank, thank you, you. Dr. Have, have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.